Hello, and welcome to Bridgeford Trust Company's Delivering Direction and Control podcast series. Our podcast series is designed to educate, challenge, and inspire listeners while keeping you updated on developments regarding modern trust law and powerful planning opportunities available, all in an effort to deliver direction and control to clients and their advisors. In this episode, we sit down with guest Jamie Freihoff, Managing Partner at WHVP, for a discussion on their company's origins, focus, and services, as well as their work with U.S. citizens. David and Jamie go on to discuss the COVID crisis and its impact on their investment approach. Welcome to Bridgeford Trust Company's podcast series. Uh, We are delighted uh, by the success of the series so far and the quality uh, of guests that we've been able to interview uh, throughout the last many months. And uh, of course, today is no exception. Um, And once again, I'm David Warren, uh, chairman of the board of Bridgeford Trust Company and one of the founders. And and one of the things that we love to do is talk with people not only around the United States, but around the world about big ideas and big concepts and and ideas around collaboration. And uh, many years ago, um, I met, not many years ago, maybe two or three years ago, I met Jamie, our guest today, uh, in Heckerling, uh, which most of you know is kind of the Super Bowl, uh, at least the U.S. Super Bowl of estate planning uh, for uh, advisors who come from uh, really all over the country. And Jamie and I had met uh, through some mutual friends and, and made some mutual introductions. And I was really impressed with the kind of work Jamie's firm is doing um, out of Switzerland um, and specifically out of Zurich. Uh, they have created a niche for themselves, um, which I still think is somewhat unusual, but very powerful in terms of their ability to manage money for US citizens. Um, and, and Jamie will talk about the vision and, and, and the company. So Jamie, first of all, welcome. We very much appreciate you coming to be part of this. Well, not coming, but to par- be participating all the way from Zurich. I wish you could be here, but unfortunately we nobody seems to be traveling much more out of their neighborhood these days. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for uh, your invitation and also the kind introduction. It's my pleasure to be here today. Absolutely. Well, we're very happy to have you. Very honored to have you here. I, I think that, you know, again, we, we have a common idea around big ideas. So what I wanted to do is understand really the, the, the company and have you explain the initials. I know before we started to record, I, I said I was going to quiz you and, and to ask you what WHVP stood for. You told me you were going to look it up. So are you ready for that question? I am ready. I have prepared thoroughly. Um, so the initials WHVP, they stand for Weber, Hartmann, Freihof and Partners, which are the three um, founding partners of the companies. Um, the one of the founders, Freihof, um, Rob, he's my father, and he was um, basically the driver behind the idea of starting an independent asset manager for U.S. citizens in the 90s, and that is what they have done. Um, unfortunately, one of the partners has passed away and the other has retired, so now it is uh, more or less just our family remaining uh, with, the, with the V in WHVP. So that was always the intention was to serve U.S. US clients from the beginning. That's interesting. Talk to me about that. Yes, exactly. So my father, Rob, he started his banking career in the 70s and he worked for a um, bank called Foreign Commerce Bank. And they already back then had the idea of serving and providing the basically the Swiss banking excellence to international investors, specifically to U.S. Um, clients. And that's how he 
became familiar with working with American investors and he liked it so much that he decided that he wants to venture out on his own and provide it in a more um, boutique kind of way, way compared to a large private bank that is maybe a little bit um, less personalized and less um, with a family approach. Sure. So that's really interesting because over the years when we launched Bridgeford, I've met with various companies uh, around uh, Switzerland and um, they have not been involved with this focus as long as you have. I mean, it's interesting. From the beginning, you guys were focused. I, I know that because of changes in Switzerland and, and as I don't need to explain to you what, what how things have changed in terms of various governments pushing for information. I know a lot of RIAs or a lot of investment managers became registered in the United States as a result of that. Uh, to sort of pivot away from the challenges they were having. But it, I, I love the story that you were always doing this before the changes happened. Is that, that's, that's great. Talk, talk to me more about that. How, how did you recover from or deal with those changes that came, that, that came about in Switzerland with the privacy issues? Yes, I mean, for us, what it meant um, was that we have to think about what, how exactly we are um, basically advertising our services, how, how is our strategic focus. And we have moved away a little bit um, from the privacy and secrecy aspect, mm -hmm. which is still somewhat here, but we have moved more towards the asset protection and having a safe um, nest egg outside of the country. Because um, besides the privacy, there are still so many good reasons um, for having a bank account or an, a registered investment advisor in Switzerland or just outside of your home country. And we are now just focusing more on the added value there um, for example international diversification um, safety uh, insurance against the devaluation of the US dollar um, asset protection in combination with um, a structure that was set up by a professional um, like yourself for example so I think there are many many good reasons for working together um, with an offshore partner besides the initial privacy that was what started um, services like ours in the beginning yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Um, and can you talk to me some more and more, I guess, more specifically about the structure? I, I understand you're not a bank and you're specifically an asset manager. You're not and you're not a trust company. Right. So you're specific to asset management. Yes, that's correct. So we call ourselves independent asset manager or sometimes also external asset manager. Mm -hmm. Yeah, use those two words uh, interchangeably. But we it's correct. We are not a bank. So we work together with different um, custodian banks. Most of them are private banks in Switzerland, Liechtenstein and Austria. Mm -hmm. And they serve as um, basically the, the custody um, place for our clients with us having a limited power of attorney of the existing accounts at the private bank. So we see ourselves as the main contact person who helps the client walk through the whole account opening process. We introduce them to partners here um, in Europe and then we remain the partner for them over the, the years or decades that they are with us and we help them set up a portfolio that makes sense for them and we help them resolve any issues they may have with the custodian banks or any other partners. Well, I love the word independent. Uh, and that's something I think that's a strong theme at Bridgeford. And I, I know and I remember is one of the things we had talked about. I'm intrigued by the European model as you juxtapose it to the United States model. I think for many, many years, the European banking, or I would say financial services industry did a much better job at bifurcating various fiduciary roles or roles within, within the financial services industry. And what I mean by that is, you know, the custodian is different usually than the asset manager and the bank is typically different than, than, than the asset manager. And, and when I mean different, I mean independent. 
And, and I like the fact that finally in the United States, those those concepts of independence um, and, um, and and avoiding conflicts of interest really have permeated through various structures in the United States. But really, that's something that you've always been accustomed to in Europe, from what I understand. Is that is, you think I'm accurate in that observation? Yes, I think you are. I mean, the banks still um, take on clients directly, and I wouldn't really call them independent because they have a lot of in-house financial products that they are selling, and they, of course, have an incentive to sell their own products. That's how we differentiate ourselves from them. The only um, money, the only revenue we're um, generating and taking is from the client um, themselves. We are not taking any money from any third party, and that um, helps clients believe us that we are truly independent and we only have their um, own interest at heart. And I think that's something that is extremely important, and that's something that clients should really look for when choosing a, a financial partner, that they have someone who is only working in their interest and who has not any incentive um, to sell or um, advise them on anything that is not um, helping them. I completely agree with you. And frankly, that is exactly the image of Bridgeford, as you know. You know, we don't manage money. We don't want to do private banking. We're specifically, a, we think, a very sophisticated trust solution, which makes our firm's natural collaborators, quite frankly, not only in the United States, but around the world. So I understand the focus with respect to the United States, and I wholeheartedly um, embrace the advantages uh, that you've talked about. Where else in the world are you? Or do you focus, or is it specifically U.S. that you that, that is the, the main focus of the firm? Yes, it is specifically the U.S. We also have a handful of clients in Switzerland, naturally because of our network here. Um, mm -hmm. We have very few clients um, from other places in Europe, but the only market that we are actively targeting is the U.S. Um, we are extremely focused in what we do and who we offer it to, and we believe that that's another advantage um, of us that we are truly specialized in what we do, and we have a, a broad network of professionals who offer complementary services, um, who help us provide our services, but we don't want to venture out um, too far and off become too broad in what we're um, specializing in and who we're targeting. So, so explain how you service your clients. I know that you're in the unit where you were in the United States a lot before um, COVID, and we'll get to that in a, in a moment. But um, you know, I, I would imagine that you, the presence in the United States is something that's important for you to establish, at least from a credibility perspective. So, how have you done that over the years? Yes, exactly. So we have traveled um, in the U.S. very frequently. My father has been a speaker in the U.S. since since the mid '90s, um, and I have followed in his footsteps. I started um, traveling to the U.S. I think three years ago when I, after I joined the company, and um, it was one of our cornerstones of how we serviced our clients was visiting them in the U.S., um, meeting with uh, other professionals in the U.S. and Unfortunately, this has changed a lot in the past couple of months. So all our business trips for this year, I mean, I was at Heckerling in January, but after that, all of our business trips had mm -hmm. canceled. And we're not sure how the next year looks. It is quite uh, up in the air, everything. We don't have any immediate plans as of today because it's just um, everything is too uncertain to make any plans. So what we have done is we have um, shifted our focus more um, to all the options we have digitally to meet mm -hmm. with people virtually, and that has worked surprisingly well. So yeah. we have had most of our communication with existing prospects and client has been over the phone and email um, by four, before anyway, because we can only be uh, in the US three or four times a year and we would like um, to speak with our clients more often than that. So from that point of view, not much has changed, but it has changed in a way that we are now also attending 
conferences and doing networking virtually. And uh, as I said, we were surprised with how smooth that transition has um, taken place. But hopefully, um, latest by, by the second half of next year, we can additionally to our virtual offering and meetings also go back to the US. That would be great. You know, Jamie, I agree. We've had the same experience at Bridgeford as we've discussed. It's, you know, I, I didn't anticipate how seamless that transition was going to be. Um, you know, I, the, with all the technology available to us, we, we've also had similar success. Although I find that most people don't want to see my face on their screen. And I'm not sure if I should be offended by that or if that's just the nature of the new world we're in. I'm not sure. But uh, but that's why we're all pleased that this podcast does not have a video component, at least our audience is. And I'm only speaking for myself, of course. If I could take you back, because I'm very interested, I, I noticed, um, and it's something I saw uh, in preparing for our conversation today, is that you had written a book a while back. Um, and could you talk to me about that? Yes, that's uh, that's true. I have published it with Benin Hill Publishing in, at the end of 2018. I have co-authored it. I have written it together with Bob Bauman, um, who's a former congressman in the U.S. and also very... Um, informed about the whole offshore business and, and banking sector. And the reason uh, we have written this book is because we believe that there's so many options um, for banking and financial services outside of the US, but a lot of people are just not aware of it. A lot of Americans don't know what the options are. They don't know that it is perfectly legal. They don't know that it is um, easier from a tax perspective that they might think. So we thought it would be um, an added value for, for our clients and prospects if we just put together all our thoughts on the subject, what is important to know about Switzerland, about offshore banking, mm-hmm. um, how do Swiss people work, how is the, the political system here, how is our banking history, just put all of that together and um, provide the book to, to our clients and prospects for free just because we want to let them know um, what the world has to offer basically. Well, I think it's brilliant. I, I was able to look at a little bit of it, and I, I'm impressed that you did that. I, frankly, I'm, I'm doing something similar in the United States about modern trust law, um, okay. and I'm working on it through the crisis and hope to have it completed in the fall. I think education is the key for both of us in terms of yes. you know sort of transcending a sales conversation and being being more of use relative to coming up with big ideas that, that matter. So tell us the, the, the title of the book and, and how can people access it? I presume, of course, through your website. So please, please give us that information. Yes, exactly. So the, the title of the book is Swiss Money Secrets. And on our website, on the homepage, at the end of the site, um, you can request either a digital copy if you want to download it right away, or we can also send you a physical copy whatever you prefer as i said we're providing this um for free just because we want um as many people to profit as from it as possible now if i want your signature on it um an autographed copy will there be a charge for that or is that free (laughs) you would be the first person asking for that (laughs) (laughs) okay well that's what i'm requesting and i'll take you can send the bill to uh bridge for trust they'll take care of it we'll definitely do that <laughs> That's excellent. Now, congratulations. I, I have tremendous respect for the discipline it takes to do that. As you know, Bridgeford does a lot of writing and blogging and pulling together this book on our side has been great, but it does. It takes some, some focus and, and, and organization of thoughts and ideas. So congratulations on that. Good for Thank you. Thank you very much. 
So if I could transition back to your work with U.S. citizens, um, you know, you, you, you briefly sort of touched on the advantages of, of why a Swiss solution, if you will, for, for U.S. citizens. Let's, let's kind of go through some of those because I, I have a particular passion around asset protection. And you've mentioned that a few times and, and we'll get to that in a moment. But, but, but what are you hearing most from your prospects or when you speak or when you're interacting with people? What is it that is the largest driver for people to want to have their assets under your control in um, I would say there are two. The first one is just um, having, as I mentioned before, like the safe nest egg outside of the country. So no matter what's happening in the country, with if there's unrest, if there are elections, if there's uncertainty, um, just having your wealth distribution, distributed over several jurisdictions gives a lot of people peace of mind. And Switzerland mm -hmm. is the predominant um, jurisdiction for that because it's just such a safe, uh, small, boring little country. Um, in my opinion, I might be biased, but there's probably no no better place to go to for safety. And then the other one, which a lot of clients uh, appreciate a lot, is um, the home bias that a lot of investors have. So um, if they talk to us, they receive completely different um, views and insights and topics to talk about than if they're talking to their U.S. stockbroker or asset manager, because we just have a little bit of a different um, worldview here. Um, we have a different perspective. We have different experiences. And we also have a different focus. Our focus is mainly um, Swiss and European stocks. And while it is technically possible to trade them in the U.S., uh, what we see is that a lot of U.S. advisors have an extremely strong focus on U.S. stocks, which is um, of course, also valuable, but it's just a different mindset and a different approach. And having a combination of the both, having a, um, a professional in Europe and one in America, um, I think that just adds a lot of value and a lot of stability over your um, total wealth because you have um, less volatility. No, I completely agree. I think the more, I mean, I'm not, I don't have the level of sophistication that you do in the investment management space, but I think the more diversification, the better. And I, and I hear you saying that it's hard for me to, and it's hard for me to believe you mean the United States isn't, isn't uh, the center of the world. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to, I don't, I think our, our listeners are going to be shocked by your suggestion, Jamie, that it's not the only place in the world that can manage money. <laughs> Let's, uh, if we could transition to a topic, as I said a couple minutes ago, that I'm really passionate about is this idea of, of asset protection. And, and I kind of want to define it a little bit in the context of our ability to collaborate to bring asset protection because it can be defined so many different ways in so many different contexts. When I talk about asset protection, it's the idea of, of creating a legal structure um, to protect assets from creditors or lawsuits, which I suppose is a, a type of creditor, in some cases through divorce. And really, um, and you've used the word earlier, a nest egg of, of protected assets. And yeah. As you know, the United States, I think in the last two or three years or less, has, has become, in some cases, been referred to, and it's been somewhat controversial, as a privacy haven and uh, asset protection haven, tax haven as well. Um, even particularly South Dakota has been referred to in that respect. And so what's changed to me is 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 been where people are coming to the United States to seek asset protection. But I'm intrigued by virtue of sort of combining the best of both worlds and saying, listen, there's a way to have asset protection from, let's say, domestic asset protection statute in South Dakota. Uh, while um, 
accessing the protection of quote an offshore structure and what i mean by that is your assets are held offshore they're either out of the united states jurisdiction so to speak at least legally from from the ability to for a state court to to um to issue some sort of lien against them so i've been intrigued for years about the idea of combining the two concepts where you use um, a, a trust, a U.S. trust set up by either a foreign grantor or a domestic grantor, a U.S. person, and having the assets that managed in a company with you, uh, like yours. And I think it provides even heightened asset protection. I'm interested in your thoughts on that, if you've seen that, and, and if you would agree with, with, my, with the thought, because it seems like to me it's, it's really a, a tremendous planning opportunity, particularly, I guess, for U.S. citizens. Yeah, no, I fully agree. I mean, this is exactly what we're seeing. I think combining the best of both worlds, as, as you has put it, is, is the fantastic opportunity for, for um, U.S. investors and also foreign investors. And I would, see, I would say about a third or so of our clients are actually such structures that have been set up in the U.S. So that, this is something that we see a lot. And that's also something that um, Switzerland and the Swiss um, Financial Center has a lot of experience in with opening up a um, bank account for a trust. So no one here um, will be confused or surprised if, if you hand in a trustee, everyone uh, knows what to do and how to handle it. So I, I definitely think that is a great um, planning tool. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate you concurring that. I, I think that's the opportunity for us to really collaborate um, um, because it continues to be such a hot topic. And quite frankly, you know, not only has COVID thrown the world into a, a sense of unbelievable uncertainty, but U.S. politics right now has the world sort of upside down, at least the U.S. world. Nobody really knows what's going to happen with U.S. taxation. Um, asset protection and tax planning, um, in my view, and in the view of people a lot more knowledgeable than I, think that you know, regardless of who wins, whether Biden or, or Trump wins, there's no question there's going to have to be changes in, in the system to really catch up with all the U.S. spending that's been um, put in place around COVID at the state level and the federal level. So this uncertainty, in, in my mind, unquestionably is going to drive um, the need for collaboration between our firms and firms like ours around the world to, to really come up with the best solutions for, for wealthy families who don't know what to do in these uncertain times. I mean, I can tell you I'm not an, an old guy, but I, you know, in my late 40s, I, I can't remember more instability or, or divisiveness or uncertainty ever. And I think that we as a financial services industry need to be able to be nimble and, and quick to move to address and, and provide some assurances. And, and I would love your perspective uh, um, on what you see as I, as I talk about it from an American perspective. What do you see from a European perspective? Yeah, I mean, we, we see exactly what you're saying. Since I would say spring, since the beginning of the year, we have seen a, a very strong increase in demand for our services because the more uncertainty there is worldwide, but specifically in the US, the more people think about um, what they can do to increase their safety. And I think an offshore bank account is a solution that a lot of people um, think about and consider now with, with everything that's going on, with everything that you have mentioned, with, with all the um, political issues and the election. So it has been quite a busy year for us and we anticipate that no matter how the election is going um, to turn out, that we will probably uh, have a lot more to do towards the end of the year and the beginning of next year. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I agree from our perspective as well. I mean, I think it's just the people need solutions. And um, and I think, to be honest, that's driven so much of Bridgeford's uh, activity in the last four or five months. We were surprisingly busy with new new conversations with very large families who I'm not suggesting anybody was panicking, but they had some time on their hands to look around and say, well, I need to make some moves here. 
You know, yeah. I need to figure out what we're doing. I mean, nobody expected the world to turn upside down, which is really where I'd like to transition. Um, because I think that you know, we can't have a conversation about our, our world without addressing the COVID crisis and how that's impacted everything, because um, it has impacted everything worldwide. Tell me from your perspective, and I guess we did a little bit at the beginning, but you know, how did your company pivot to be um, you know, best of use to your clients and prospects? And I know we talked about technology a little bit, but I mean, and give me some thoughts about how you were feeling when the crisis began, because I'll be honest, I was I was pretty uncertain myself about how how we were going to be of use to the community. So talk, talk to me about your perspective. Yes, the, the crisis hit us all by by a lot of surprise. I was in Munich for a weekend. And then when I came back, like there was no talk of a virus or anything like that. And as soon as I was back in Switzerland, I think it was like two or three days later, um, we were like in full lockdown. And it was obviously unprecedented. Um, we have never seen anything like that before. They have closed down everything. I mean, it was the same or, or very similar all over the world. So it was a big shock, but um, we are a very small team. We are five people, so we were quite agile. We could. We had one person having access to remote working for like um, business continuity reasons. And then within one day, we had like everyone hooked up to a remote access. So we have all been work working from home for, I think, eight weeks. Um, I have to say from like our core work from the investment um, point of view there hasn't been like a huge change of course we have seen the stock market crash and now um, come back again over the past couple of months which has been um, quite interesting and exciting for us to see mm -hmm. but i think most changes are really truly on on how we do work with our clients how we work with our business partners and that then in the end comes down to technology how do we communicate with people i think during a crisis like this it's incredibly important um, to be in very close contact and communication with with all the clients which is also um what we have been doing over the past couple of months especially in the be beginning to really um just call up clients talk to them explain our point of view explain them what we're doing um with the stock crash etc i think um in crises like these, it is it really shows who is a good partner and who isn't. Um, because with a um, small financial company like ourselves, you should really feel um, that you have someone who is holding your hand, who walks you through the whole process, and not just someone who is ducking and covering and not mm -hmm. uh, communicating anything. Mm. No, I, I completely agree, and I think it gets back to the to the focus on education, you know, and, and being present and being available to talk about as i keep saying big ideas and big concepts that to make a difference in people's lives and and as you know that's what we're real passionate about and i know you and i developed that passion sort of together at heckling the first time we met and i am very excited about i think what i what we see is a big opportunity among our firms and i very much appreciate you joining us today um as we wrap up is there is there anything you you'd like to uh like to mention um, no, I think we have covered um, most of, of the relevant topics. Uh, it was a pleasure talking to you. I, I really very much enjoy being here. I very much enjoyed the opportunity to be on your podcast. I really enjoy listening to the previous episodes. So uh, thank you for that. Well, it's a pleasure to have you here again. I, I'm so intrigued by what you're doing. Um, I'm impressed with what you have built over the years. I, I didn't realize that was your dad's focus in the beginning. I think that's a huge differentiator, whereas other firms in Switzerland had to quickly figure out 
how to how to recover from the changes and perspective and perception, you were already doing this work, which I think adds a lot of credibility. Uh, congratulations again on, on your book. I think that's fantastic. Um, and uh, I encourage our, our listeners uh, to take a look at that. And uh, since it's free and, and Jamie offered to sign it for free, she said it here. So now so now, <laughs> now you have to honor that. Uh, but, but all joking aside, it's, it's, we're humbled to have you involved with it and look forward to our continued collaboration. And, and again, for those of you listening, please be sure to check out the website. There is a different story here that they're telling. And Jamie, we would welcome you back into the United States as soon as this crisis ends. And and obviously, as you know, we have big plans to uh, do some great work in, in Zurich and Switzerland ourselves. So again, I see us doing some great work together. And again, thank you for being involved. Looking forward to it. Thank you very much. Thanks again for listening to Bridgeford Trust Company's Delivering Direction and Control podcast series. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to keep posted on when new episodes are added. For more information, visit us online at bridgefordtrust.com.